You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning again. Uh, like I said, my name is Mark. I'm a student pastor here, and it is my privilege today um, to lead the Exodus out of Exodus. Um, hey, that went over way better than I was hoping for. So, um, you know, I was trying to top Steve's decaffeinated joke from last week. So. Um, which was a tough one to pull. So, um, but, but for real, we're, we're excited to, to be able to wrap up our time in Exodus today. Um, we, hopefully you have um, grown in the Lord over the last uh, six months as we've been walking through this book. Um, and so um, what, what I thought would be helpful today for us, though, as we kind of um, wrap up our time is, is, is I kind of want to just go back and, and just remind us of some things that have happened so far in the book. Because I think when you spend a lot of time in a book like this, um, it's easy to forget some of the, the, the major things that have happened. Um, and and, and why I really want to do that also is I think it helps, uh, I think it's going to help us understand our passage for today in a better way and help us see a really, a, I think, a theme that runs throughout the book of Exodus. Um, and so, so I'm hoping to wrap up our time today um, with that. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus 33 is where we're going to um, be camped out for most of our time. Um, so Exodus 33, if you want to start heading over there and while you're going there, I'm going to um, just remind you of where we've been. Um, the, the, the book of Exodus, the story of the Hebrew people um, really begins back in Genesis. But where we picked up our story in uh, Exodus was um, the, the people began to, the, pe- the Hebrew people began to multiply and grow. And as they were multiplying and growing, the Egyptians um, became fearful and they do what most of us do when we're afraid. They try and control the situation. Um, and, and so the Egyptians begin to try and control the situation of these uh, Hebrew people who are multiplying, and they put them into slavery. Um, and the more that they um, oppress the, the Hebrew people, the, the more that they um, um, treat them uh, cruelly, the, the more God blesses them and they continue to multiply and multiply. Um, uh, and, and then we begin to see how, how God was sovereign and providential over Moses being born, right? Um, God, God um, before Moses even knew he needed God, God was watching over Moses and protected him um, as he um, was found in the Nile and was able, through that, be able to grow up in Pharaoh's house. But the oppression continued on the Hebrew people. And what we find in chapter 2, at the end of chapter 2 of Exodus, was the people began to cry out to the Lord. And it says that their cry rose up to God. And God heard their cry and decided it was time to act. He decided it was time to act. You see, the people, they had no um, political sway. They had no influence. They had, um, materially, they, they, they didn't have much. They, they had nothing to their name, no, no influence, no power, no sway in what was going on and what was happening to them. And so they became desperately dependent on God to intervene on their behalf. They became desperately dependent on God to intervene on their behalf. 
And then what we see from there is, is, is as God decides it's time to intervene, as God decides it's time to act um, through the plagues and through um, a series of events, I believe that God is not only um, in the process of demonstrating his power and his glory to the people, but he is also trying to help them remember that they are desperately dependent on him. He is trying to, to grow that uh, dependence on him for everything. And so, so God and his goodness and his grace, he, he, he takes the people out of Egypt, out of slavery. They, they, they go, he, he leads them by a cloud in the daytime and fire by night. He, they, they go across dry land um, and then the water crashes down over their enemy. And now, um, and then he comes down on Mount Sinai. And, and through all of these different things, we see the people um, struggling with d- dependency on God. We see the people struggling with dependency on, on God. And then last week we come to Exodus 32 and we have the golden calf incident, right? And in the golden calf, while Moses is up on the mountain talking to God, getting the law, um, the, the, the people essentially forget that they needed God. And so they try and create a God of their own. They, they decide to, to take their um, independence back into their own hands. They decide, hey, we don't really need God. And so, so we want to make a God of our own um, creation so that we can be in control of really our own selves. They want independence rather than dependence. And so this is the theme that we see running throughout the book of Exodus. And so that's going to be where we pick up our story today in Exodus chapter 33. And so if you look with me um, in verse 3, right? So, so we, last week we had the golden calf. Um, God wasn't happy about that, obviously. And so, so here we go. Um, Exodus 33, we're just going to um, read verse 3 here. It says this, it says, so, so God says, says this to Moses. He says, go up to the land that flows with milk and honey. But I will not travel among you. For you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. I would surely destroy you along the way. And so, so we have this, this moment where, where this golden calf incident and, and has led to God saying, hey, I promised your fathers and I promised you guys that I was going to give you this land full of milk. And I was going to give you the promised land. And here's the thing. I'm still going to do that. I, I'm going to give you the promised land. And I'm even going to send an angel to drive out all of these other people for you. But I can't go with you. My, my presence cannot be with you because if I go with you, I'm going to obliterate you from the face of the planet because you are a stubborn and rebellious people. And so, so on, on one hand, right, it, it's, it's kind of good news, right? Okay, I get, I get everything um, in this world that I could ever want, but I don't get God. Mm. And, and, and I think this is important for us to know because I think a lot of us live our lives this way. Say that. We, we desire the things that God can give us rather than the God who created it all. We're after the creation rather than the creator. Say that. And, 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 and so, like, even like, like I think, I, I try and tell our students this all the time. I was like, listen, guys, heaven cannot be our goal as Christians. Heaven is not the goal. Because if we get to heaven and it has all the material wealth and comfort that we imagine it to have, and Jesus isn't there, we don't have heaven, but we have hell. Because anywhere God isn't is hell. Say that. 
And so, so, so what we have to understand is that, that, that heaven can't simply be our goal, that God must be our goal. And so, so God not going with the people is terrible news. And the, thankfully, the people of Israel realize that. Look here in verse 4. Look here in verse 4. Look what it says. It says, when the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. No one put on his ornaments. Or, or another, other versions would say um, that they, they stopped wearing their jewelry and fine clothes. When, when they hear this disastrous news that God is not going with them, that they, 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 they put away their fine jewelry and, or their fine clothes and their jewelry. Here's what this is really saying. That, that the people are posturing themselves outwardly with what is actually going on in their heart. You see, the people realize how disastrous the news is. They know that if they get, get all the material things of this world and they don't get God, that they've not won, but they've lost. And so, so what they are doing here is they are repenting of what they have done with the golden calf. They're, they're saying, God, we need you. And they're recognizing their need for God. They are des- remembering their desperate dependence of God. Because where were they in, in, in uh, Exodus chapter 2? They, they had nothing, right? They had no fine jewelry and fine clothes. They had no, 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 no influence, no power and control. They are posturing themselves in a way that represents their inward heart. And so, so they're putting away their fine jewelry and their fine clothes to, to say, God, to, to show and demonstrate, hey, these things don't control us. These things are, are not what we really seek after. The things of this world are not what's important, but you going with us, God, is what's most important. And so this is what the people are doing. They're, 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 they're posturing themselves in this way. And then it goes on to uh, tell us that, they, that from this day on, really, that they, they, they don't put on the fine jewelry and clothes. Um, in verse, and then, then we keep going here in verse 7. Um, in verse 7 through 11, what we see happening is, is we get this picture of what Moses' daily routine looks like during this time. Moses would, would go out to outside the camp to the tent of meeting. Now, understand that the tent of meeting is not the same as the tabernacle, okay? Because the tabernacle hasn't even been built yet. The, the, the tent of meeting actually sits outside the camp and it's Moses' personal tent where he gets to go and meet with God. And so every day Moses would go outside the camp and he would go meet with God outside the camp in this tent of meeting. And God's uh, presence would come down on there and as the presence of God would come down, the people would fall down and they would worship God in that moment. In that time. And I, and I love what verse 11 says. And this is really a side note in some ways. Um, but, but I love what verse 11 tells us about what this meeting with God would be like. In verse 11, verse 1, or verse 11, part 1, yeah. <laughs> uh, it says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Here's, here's why this is a, a really cool thing. This is one, it's, it's cool because God, because we, we see this, this intimate relationship that Moses and God have, right? It, it reminds me of in John 15, 15, where Jesus calls his disciples his friends. Amen. And here's, here's why I really love this. I love this because this reminds me of the type of relationship that we can have with our Savior. That we can have an intimate relationship with him where we talk to him as if we talk to a friend. 
That, that, that we can go before him in Christ. We can go before him at any point of any day, at any time. Because of the blood of Jesus, we can enter into his presence and take, talk to him about anything we want to talk to him about. And he is there ready to listen. And then another side of that is that he actually communicates back with us through his word. Like he's given us his word and this is his way of telling, of communicating about who he is to us. And so we can have this intimate relationship with our father in heaven. And this is a beautiful thing. And this is what Moses is experiencing in a very special way here in Exodus 33. And so then as we keep going though, um, we see just an insight into one of these exchanges between God and Moses. Um, we, we, we see a, a specific exchange in one of these times where Moses goes out to the tent of meeting. Um, and so we get a, a picture of that here, starting in verse 12. It says, one day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land. But you told me whom, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me I know you by name and I look favorably on me on you. If that is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And continue to enjoy your favor and remember that this nation is your very own people. You see, the people have already begun to posture themselves in in a place of repentance. They they are in this process of repentance of repenting from their sin because they know how disaster it is that God is not going to go with them. And so Moses is going to God on their behalf because he's their mediator and he's going to God on their behalf and he's saying, listen, God, you, told, you keep telling me to take these people to the promised land, but here's the reality. I can't do that without some help. I can't do that without you, God. Say that. And so, so Moses is, 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 is communicating to God what, what is going on in the people's hearts. They are realizing how desperately dependent they are on God. And so, so Moses is communicating this to God. And he's saying, God, I, I can't lead these people without you. I cannot do this outside of you. I am not capable of doing this. God, I need you. These are your people. This is your chosen people, God. And look at, what, look at God, how God replies to Moses here in verse 14. Verse 14, it says, The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Now, at first glance, this looks like a great thing that God has just told Moses. It, okay, God is going to go with him, right? He's, he's going to do what Moses just asked him to do. But, but here's, here's, here's something I think that's easy for us to miss, that the you here in this phrase is singular. That God has promised to go with Moses. He has not promised to go with the people. That, that God has promised to go with Moses, but not go with the people. And Moses isn't okay with that. He knows that if God just simply goes with him, that'll be good for him, but it'll be disastrous for the rest of the people. And so Moses continues to go before God on behalf of the people. And look what he says in verse 15. He says, then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Your presence sets, sets us apart from all people on, on the earth. Here's, here's, here's what basically what Moses is saying. He's saying, listen, God, 
If you don't go with us as a people, then don't send us. Don't, don't make us leave this place. Moses knows that they are desperately dependent on God's presence to go. That, that, that what marks them as God's people is not, um, is not anything other than God's presence being with them. Yes. That, that, that they need the presence of God to go. And Moses is saying, hey God, I don't want to go if you aren't going. Say that. Listen, this is, this is the idea that we've been trying to hopefully um, communicate to you for the last six months as we've been in a season of prayer and fasting. Pastor Steve has been leading us in this, in this season of prayer and fasting because he, he didn't want to just jump in and say, hey, we're going to go here and do this and do that. But, but no, he wanted us to seek together the Lord. And we wanted to say, hey, God, if we don't want to go from where we are until you tell us where to go. We don't want to move until you tell us to move. And so that's been the whole idea behind this prayer, this season of prayer and fasting, that as God's people, we would be marked by God's presence because we are seeking where he wants us to go. Amen. We want to be desperately dependent as the people of God here at Antioch Bible Baptist Church. We don't want to say, hey, we've got to figure it out and we know what to do and what steps to take and what moves to do. No, we want to seek the Lord in all that we do because we know what distinguishes us from the rest of the world is not because of our good morals, not because of our politics, not because of uh, X, Y, or Z, or things we do or don't do, drink or don't drink, cuss or don't cuss. None of that stuff distinguishes us from the rest of the world. What distinguishes us from the rest of the world is the presence of God amongst us. This is what we must look to. And so we are seeking the Lord together. And, and so, so please join us for these prayer gatherings. Join us as we pray and fast as we seek the Lord for this next season at Antioch. But here's also what I think is really important. Not only does the presence of God distinguish us as a, a collective group of people, as a community of believers in Gladstone, in the Northland of Kansas City, but it also in our individual lives. That the presence of God must distinguish us in our individual families and lives. But here's the reality. I think very few of us live desperately dependent on the Lord. I think we are very, I mean, we, our entire culture in America is individualism and independence. We got a whole day to celebrate it. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have freedoms here in America, for sure. So don't hear me saying that. But the people of God are marked by desperate dependence on God. Let me tell you a few ways I think I see this playing out in our lives. I think, I, I think we have to be more diligent in how we seek the Lord and the things that we do every day in our lives. I think that we are far too easily um, consulting Dave Ramsey, our financial advisor, when we're planning our budget. And we haven't once prayed about how we're budgeting our money. I think that we are too often stressed out of our minds and busy like crazy in our families because we signed our kid up for an extra soccer league or an extra baseball league or basketball and we signed our kid up for all these extra activities and we haven't once prayed and asked the Lord, hey God, should we do this? I think, I think, I think when, whenever we, we, we t decide to take a new job without once praying about, hey God, should I take this job? How's this going to affect my family life? How's this going to, um, how's this going to affect um, how um, th this plays out in my church family and in my church role? We, we don't seek the Lord on things, but rather we think we've got it figured out. We think we know how life works best. And so we, we bypass God altogether and we do what we want to do rather than seeking what the Lord wants us to do. 
Like we, as the people of God, must learn to be desperately dependent on God, not just for the big things in life, but the little things. We must continually go to him day after day saying, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. This should be our heartbeat, a desperate dependence of crying out, I need you, God. This applies to sin in our lives, right? Like, this, like, like we can't change our heart towards sin, but God can. But a lot of times what we try and do is we try and tame our sin. Have you ever seen that show, um, When Predators Attack? Anybody ever seen that show? Nobody, okay, awesome. This is, nobody watched Discovery Channel. Great, just me. Um, so let me explain to you what this premise of this show is. So, so basically what happens on this show is that it's usually um, when the, there is usually somebody doing a photo shoot or something like that with a lion. Like there's like a model and, and she's taking a picture with a lion and that, that's supposed to be tame, okay? And as she's taking a picture with this lion, the lion turns around and bites her arm off. And, and then, they, then they go and they start interviewing the trainer and the trainer's like, I just don't, I don't know what happened. I, I, I've, I've had this lion since he was a cub. I, he's never done this before. I just I can't understand why he would do such a thing. Well, let me tell you, because he's an apex predator and that's what God designed him to do. But a lot of us try and treat our sin in the same way. We try and tame it. We try and control it. We try and handle it ourselves. And, and what ends up happening is it ends up destroying our lives. Amen. It ends up messing with us big time. It leaves us disillusioned and confused about, about reality. And we haven't once, maybe, maybe, we, maybe we've sort of half-heartedly tried to seek the Lord on it, but, 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 but have we really prayed and asked God to, to do a work in our hearts? Have, have we then followed God's wisdom in his word to go and find help outside of that? But but, but a lot of times what we do is we try and keep it a secret because we don't want anybody to know our stuff. But the reality is that the gospel tells us that Jesus already knows your stuff and he died for your stuff. Amen. So that you can be forgiven, so that you can be set free. So we have to learn to be desperately dependent on the Lord in every area of our lives. This is what Moses is communicating to God here. He's saying, listen, God, we don't want to move if you aren't moving with us. We need you, we need you, we need you, we need you, because it is your presence that sets us apart. It's your presence that sets us apart. God replies to Moses in verse 17 and, and essentially tells him, hey, Moses, because, because you've asked it, I'm going to do this. I'm going to forgive the people, and, and I'm going to um, go with you all. I'm going to go with you all. And so this is great news. This is great news for, for the people of God. As, as God is going to go with them, his presence is going to move with them here. And so, so then, but Moses doesn't end there. Now, here's what, that's what I love about Moses. Moses isn't, he's like, okay, that's great. Okay, I, that check. But Moses replies, again in verse 18 to God and Moses replies this he says then God show me your glory show me your glory what a prayer that that is show me your glory you see because here's what, here's what I think what marks the people of God is desperate dependence on God but there is this other side of things as well. And, and I, I think what also marks the people of God is an unquenchable thirst and hunger for God. 
You see, if you think about Moses and all that he's experienced so far, like if anybody has seen the glory of God, you think, well, Moses has seen the glory of God, right? Like you think about all that he has been through and all that he has seen and experienced. Like, like he, he had God talking to him through a burning bush that, did not be, that wasn't consumed, right? Like, that, like honestly, that, that would be great. Like he saw God bring all of these miracles and all of these plagues on the people of Egypt. He saw God deliver them out of an impossible situation, out of slavery. And then, and then God, God, he saw God part the, the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land and then he destroyed his enemies on, on top of that. He saw God provide manna and provide quail for them to eat. If anybody has seen the glory of God, it would have been Moses. But Moses is not satisfied with the amount of God that he currently has. He is hungry for more. Moses is not satisfied with the amount of God he has. He wants more. He wants to know God more fully. And so he's, he's seeking after the Lord. And, and, and this is what should mark us as believers. Because here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that we are far too easily satisfied with the amount of Jesus we currently have. That we are far too easily satisfied like, like, like we're, we're satisfied with enough of Jesus to maybe keep us out of hell, but not enough of him to actually submit our, our, to his rule and reign in our lives, to actually to, 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 to love him and know him and walk with him, to, to desire him as, as, as somebody should desire um, their spouse. Like, like we, 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 don't, we don't desire him like that. We're, we're sort of like, yeah, hey, I went to church this week. That's good. I went to, you know, I, I, I had, you know, I, the pastor read the Bible to me today. And so that, that's enough Jesus for me this week. I, I got what I needed. I, I'm good until next week. And we're, we're, we're far too easily satisfied with the amount of Jesus we have and not enough to actually pursue him and know him and walk with him each and every day. We, 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 don't, we, we don't pray prayers like this. God, show me your glory. But instead we come in here week after week and we go through the motions of, of sort of half-heartedly singing these songs which we don't really even mean. We're not, we're not desperate for God. We're, we're not hungry for the Lord. We're sort of just, yeah, I'm gonna live my life how I wanna live it and sort of attach Jesus' name to it and hope everything goes well for me. We are far too easy to satisfy. In fact, I was reminded of a quote from C.S. Lewis from one of his books, The Way to Glory. Um, and this is what he says. Um, he says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily pleased. Like, like, like we are so easily pleased with, with enough of Jesus to, to, to sort of just get through life. But, but here's the good news, that Jesus is eternal and he's infinite, which means that there's always more of him to be had. That, that, that we can always, always be knowing more about Jesus. Not, not, and here's what I understand. I'm not just saying knowledge just to have knowledge. Because if, knowledge, if we just have knowledge about Jesus, that, that doesn't do anything for us. That just makes us arrogant. But, but what we should desire is, is, is to actually know him in a relational type of way. As, as a husband would know a wife and a wife would know a husband, this is the type of relationship with which we're to seek with God. 
This is what it means to enter into this covenant relationship with him through Jesus, that, that, that we belong to him and he belongs to us and we know one another. And we seek him and we desire him and we're hungry after him. Are you hungry today? Are, are, are you thirsty for more of Jesus, for more of the Lord in your life, to, to, to know him more fully? Yes. Or are you just content with, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. So Moses is, is demonstrating this, this idea that, that the, when he says, show me your glory, that, 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 that he wants to know more of the Lord, that he wants to know more of the Lord. And, 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 and here's... Here's the truth, that, that, that if you find yourself content today, can I tell you that, that, that Jesus simply says, if you ask, I will give it to you. And so if you want to know more of the Lord, start asking God to, to, to give you more desire for him. You, you, you can ask God for that, and here's what I think. I, I believe that God honors that. I, I believe that, that, that if you would say, hey God, I, I, I know that I, I've been pretty content with the, with with you where I'm at in my relationship. I haven't really been seeking after you. And so, so, so I, it, would you help me to, to, to cultivate that desire in my life? And here's what I think. I think if you begin to pray that and seek the Lord on that, I believe God hears that prayer and he answers that prayer. Like that's a prayer that God is, is, is excited to answer for you. And so, so begin asking God, 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 can you increase my desire for you? Can you increase my desire for you? So God responds to Moses here, and he says, says, listen, yes, I will show you my glory. I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I'm going to call my name out to you, Yahweh, and, I, and, 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 and I'm going to reveal more of myself to you. I'm going to do this for you, but, but know that I don't have to. Know that I show compassion on whom I show compassion and mercy on whom I show mercy, and, and, and I, I don't have to do this, Moses, but, but I'm going to do this. And then we see as we go on into chapter 34, um, this really beautiful um, uh, moment where, where God reveals um, the glory, his glory to Moses from his backside. And he calls out his name and he reveals more about who he is to Moses. Now this is a great, like verses, uh, verses 6 through 7. Uh, verse 6 and 7 in chapter 34, a great passage for you to go study. We just don't have time for it today. But, but I encourage you, go and study that because if you want to know more about who God is, study what, those, what, what he's revealing about himself in those verses because it's incredible. And so as this happens, in verse 8, we see, God, we see Moses' response to God. And Moses' response to God, um, revealing more about who he is and seeing his glory, is the only response that is and should be. It's fall down on his face and worship God. It's to fall down on his face and worship God. You see, when we seek the Lord and, and, and we begin to know the Lord more and more fully, we have no choice but to worship him as Lord. And this is Moses' response to him. Or, or this is Moses' response to the glory of God. And so then, here's, here's God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and summarize the rest of the book of Exodus for you here, okay? Um, from here on out, we see um, God, he gives the people a new copy of the law, which Moses threw down in last week and broke. God gives, graciously gives this to the people. He graciously gives the people, when they left Egypt, everything they needed to build the tabernacle, which would house his presence amongst the people. He gives them the, the, the skilled workers necessary to put it all together and build the tabernacle. You see, you see, 
In everything, God, the people are dependent on God. They're dependent on God through all of these things. And then we come to the end of Exodus in chapter 40, and we see that the presence of God actually does come down and indwell the tabernacle with, uh, and he begins to dwell with his people. And it is an incredible moment. But as I begin to think about how do we wrap up our time in Exodus today, um, I, I just, I couldn't help but re- remember that this is not the entire story. That this is not the entire story, but this is a stop on the journey towards a greater story that's actually taking place. And so if you have your Bibles, flip with me to Luke chapter 9, and we're going to wrap up here. Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, we have uh, Jesus taking uh, three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up on the mountain to pray. Um, he's taking them with him, and, and, and here's, here's what we begin to see in verse 28 um, of Luke chapter 9. It says, now about eight days after these things, he, being Jesus, took with him Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Uh, as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him. Who? Mo, yeah, Moses, yeah, so Moses and Elijah. Okay, Elijah, we don't have time for him today. But, but Moses was up there talking with him. So um, number one, just real quick, where are they meeting? On top of a mountain. Where did God tend to meet with Moses? On top of a mountain, sick. Anyway, so, um, so uh, there, he's up there meeting with Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Here's what really is cool about this word departure. This word departure, as Jesus is up there talking, he's talking to him about his departure from Jerusalem, um, which he's about to accomplish. This word departure actually translates exodus. Because Jesus was about to lead his very own exodus from, through his death and resurrection so that we could be free from our spiritual slavery and be brought into the promised land someday with him forever in heaven. That this is what Jesus accomplished for us with his exodus because he leads the greater exodus. This is, this, is, this is the beauty of what the story of exodus actually leads us to. It leads to Jesus leading his own exodus. And so, so, so we today, by the, by the death and resurrection of Jesus, are now able to live free of our guilt and shame because Jesus took that on him on the cross. That the wrath that was meant for you and me was poured out onto Jesus on the cross. And in so doing, now if we would put our faith and trust in Jesus, the same power that raised Christ from the dead would now dwell within us. That the presence of God would dwell within us. You see, Jesus leads the greater exodus. And he's telling Moses about it. About all that's about to happen. And so here's what I want to do. I have three questions for you, and then we'll be done. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, let's just do that. Let's bow your heads and close your eyes, and I just want to ask three questions. Uh, The first question is this. First question is this. If you're in here today, and you would just say, say, just be honest, you know, I don't care if you've been coming here your whole life and you've heard this story a million times, but if today maybe you're hearing it for the first time and really understanding what it means for your life, have you ever placed your faith in Jesus and what he accomplished for you on the cross? Have you ever put your hope and faith in him for salvation? And if you've never done that today, I, I, I would just, here's, here's what I would love to do. 
Right where you are, you can pray something like this. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I have sinned against you. I know that I have gone my own way, that I've lived independently of you. And today I just confess that to you. Jesus, I, I, I believe that you came to this earth and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross, absorbing the wrath of God on my behalf. And then I believe that three days later, you rose from the dead, conquering death for me. Jesus, I confess my need for you today. Please save me. And you can pray that prayer right now where you are. And here's what I would encourage you to do. If you prayed that today, I would love to know about it. I would love to just talk to you more about, about, about what that means and, and possible next steps and, and what, what that actually means for your life. And so I'm gonna hang out here at the front afterwards. And so if that's you, come, come find me and let's have that conversation. If you don't wanna come find me, that's okay too. But if you could mark that on the connection card, just we'll, we'll follow up with you this week. We'll give you a phone call or something, but we'd love to follow up with you more about what that means for your life. Here's my other two questions. If you're in the room today and you're a Christian, you're a believer, you're a follower of Jesus, my, my, my first question is, is how desperately dependent are you on Christ? How desperately dependent are you on, for Christ? For the, for the big things in your life and the small things, how, how much do you call out for his help in your life? How, how much do you feel like you need him each and every moment of each and every day? How often do you make decisions based on what you think is best without ever even talking to God about it? How desperately dependent are you on the Lord? And here's my, here would be my encouragement. Here's just something you can try this week. Before your feet ever hit the floor in the morning, just cry out to God and say, God, I need you today. Whatever may come my way, whatever is before you, whatever maybe you're even thinking about already that you have to do, just before your feet even hit the floor, just begin with a small, simple prayer like that. God, I need you today. And then you can begin to grow and cultivate in your dependence on him. Second question. Second question. How hungry are you for Jesus? How unquenchable is your thirst and desire to know him more? Are you, are you just sort of going through the motions and sort of satisfied with, with where you're at? What, what, what does that look like for you? And so here's my suggestion to you based on that. If you would just, just confess that to the Lord, say, God, forgive me for where I have been too satisfied, too easily satisfied. And then, and then just begin by, by, by seeking the Lord. Say, God, I want to know you. Lord, increase my desire for you. Open up your, your Bible and begin to seek the Lord. Figure out who he is, what, what, how he wants to transform your life. So where are you at today? Consider your desires. Consider your needs. Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and your goodness. We thank you for loving us.
Jesus, we just confess our need for you today. That all of us struggle with, with dependence. No, nobody wants to be dependent, but, but this is um, what it means to have a childlike faith, to be completely dependent on you in everything. Jesus, I pray that, that our dependency on you would, um, would transform our lives. I pray, Lord, that, 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 that the people of God here at Antioch in the Northland would be marked by your presence. Lord, we, we don't want to move if you're not going with us. We don't want to take any steps unless you're leading us, unless you're guiding us, unless you're with us, because we can't do it without you. Lord, increase our desire for you. Lord, you tell us if we seek you, we'll find you. So I pray that we would begin to seek you, that we would pray like Moses prayed, Lord, show me your glory, that we would always be growing in our desire for you, and that we would know that there is always more of you to be had. And so Jesus, we just confess that we need you today and we pray and we ask that you would grow our love and desire for you. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to antiochbbc.org. That's antiochbbc.org. God's best to you.